looking for the King of Podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey everyone, this is BJ McDonald, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Thanks for checking it out. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isles. Boy, do we have a good one for you today.
So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this next guest in it so happened to be fitting that we are taping this on Halloween morning, but he has done everything from directing to dolly grip to camera operator, stuff behind the scenes, but yet has moved his way up the chain. You may know him from the Hatchet series, but also working with there was a band I kind of heard of, maybe Slayer, that he's worked with. You know, a little band. Yeah, they, they're, they're up and coming, folks. So yeah. be on the lookout for them. Yeah, they, they might do something, <laughs> folks. But this next guest, BJ McDonald. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning and happy Halloween. So, first and foremost, I know this is. Your weekends are kind of your solitude because I know you are very busy, always on the go, like I said, with work. So can you just talk about what kind of project you're working on? Or are you still like an NDA and got to keep hush on it? Kind of on an NDA um, on this one, um, but we're almost done. I'll tell you, it is a horror film and uh, it's with a bunch of awesome people that I love to work with. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now. So I can't talk too much about it, but it is an exciting project that's, that's happening. Um, I got three weeks left. I've been here for a while. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to get home soon. So, uh, I'm getting a little homesick. Exactly. And you know, it's funny when I was doing a little homework reading on you and obviously talking to you through Instagram and everything else, but I find it, I guess the term will be irony. Because you've done stuff with Slayer and done stuff in the horror genre and stuff professionally, but you mm-hmm. went to school at a Christian school. Yeah. So does that ever like hit you over the head going, well, like the dichotomy there? I think that that probably has a huge effect on why I am where I'm at. And for the reasons why I love what I do and the, and the genres that I get to work in is because of the, because of my upbringing in all honesty and i think it's it's also a shift of back then you know like and it's funny because i say back then i'm like like where's my cane you know but it's like uh you know kind of growing up in the way i did me and my sister were more like latchkey kind of kids like where our parents worked very hard and and you know when, when hbo came out and things like that you know they were just basically like they work and they're here's the tv kids so i kind of grew up in that hbo generation where I got to see a lot of horror films at a really young age, which a lot of people now frown upon, like letting their kids see stuff. I'm talking like when I was really young. So to me, that, that kind of like, I mean, a lot of people kind of had that same experience. I think that's in my age group that, you know, it was a little less, uh, it was a little lack in, in, in what letting your kids watch what they shouldn't be watching. Uh, so that's kind of like where I, I think that's what really got me kind of into it. Like the Christian, like the Christian school thing, like, you know, it's funny I went there, but that was just a, that was like thinking that was a good idea to put me and my sister in a Christian school. Um, and it actually made me uh, not as much a Christian as, a, as many people do. It, that's <laughs> saying a lot without saying too much. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, read between the lines, folks. But, <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that about the HBO and growing up but like that, because I am... 37 and Mm -hmm. i was maybe influenced by certain horror films at three and four years old because of older cousins and stuff of course such as you know 
Nightmare on Elm, the original Nightmare and such, and getting into the series. So yeah, maybe that had a big impact on me. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, like so, Nightmare on Elm Street for me, like was my Friday the Thirteenth and my and my Halloween, which I still love those movies. Don't get me wrong, but like for me, Freddy was like he was legit. Like he was yeah. absolutely scary. The fact that you can't go to sleep because I love sleeping, you're gonna <laughs> die, and he's gonna say something real snarky before he kills you creatively. You can check in, but you can't check out. Exactly, and it's. <laughs> It's just funny that, you know, I was corrupt and obviously wouldn't do it now with our kids, per right. se, that right. you would think about what you have them watch, let's say. Yeah. So, but the other thing I found interesting with your background was because you were talking about your parents and everything, but your grandfather was very instrumental very. in doing what you do. But was that true that he was in the entertainment field as well? Yeah, he was an actor. His name was Life Erickson. He did like he was in On the Waterfront and, you know, uh, he did a TV show called High Chaparral. He was in the original Invaders from Mars. Um, he did Captain Kid, you know, like uh, Abbott and Costello meets Captain Kid. He was in the studio system before World War II. Uh, so he was like part of that system, like in the early days. And then World War II happened. He kind of got out, went to the military and they came back and got back into it. And so his whole life was acting. So as a young kid, you know, High Chaparral was kind of like, you know, it was already done by the time, like, he would take me to the sets and over in old Tucson in Arizona. Um, but they were more instrumental to me because, you know, where a lot of parents would not think that this business that I do is something that's obtainable. They knew already that this business is something that you can actually have a career choice in and you can and you can make something out of it. So they were very instrumental in like letting me be creative, like, hey, here's a camcorder. Go make movies with your buddies. You know, we'd make these stupid action films. And, you know, they were always very supportive of that, even down to whenever, you know, I, uh, I decided to go to film school. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, that, you can't make a career out of what of that. Like, oh, good luck. You know, have, you know, it's cool. You're going to try it. I was like, you know. That, that's what interests me. And that's why I left Florida where I was growing up and I, and I moved to California and uh, I went to film school, went to Los Angeles City College. And that was it. From then on, I got into the business, started working as a grip. And here I am. It's 20 something years later, still working in this business. So it is, you know, if you want to do it, you do it, you know, and they, and they were very, very, very much pushing me towards like, you can do whatever you want to do. You know, if you have a love for this and this is the, what you want to do, you know, at least try it, at least see if you like it. And so they were great with that. Well, speaking of creativity and stuff, and the other thing I wanted to, well, there's two things I wanted to bring up from the past as well. The creativity side of things. And folks, you used to be able to do this. Everything wasn't on Netflix and, you know, YouTube and all that stuff. But you had an appreciation for artwork of movies when you rented them at the actually Blockbuster or your local oh, yeah. corner video store, folks. So what kind of influence do you there? You talk about like the, the, the artwork from like going to like Blockbuster and like the choices you would make with renting movies and things like yeah. because of the artwork. Evil Dead 2. I didn't know anything about Evil Dead, you know, and when I saw the artwork this, with the skull that had the eyeballs that were kind of looking at you, I was like, I got to watch this. I have no idea what this is, but it's going to be awesome. You know, the, the Return of the Living Dead 2, uh, you know, the punk rock, you know, the punk rockers on the cover for me because i was a big punk rock fan like that was that was for me i, was, I had to see that because i wanted to you know 
obviously there, I was like, oh man, this is kind of the music I dig. So I see this cover and I'm doing that. The Gate, the movie The Gate, you know, that I used to have that poster on my wall that with the, it says The Gate. It's like the hole in the ground with the claws and the two eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love that movie. And that was also, it's funny because it's very heavy metal, you know, influenced. And I don't know, it just kind of like weirdly fell into a place where these movies I, I actually loved watching. You know, I, and, and funny because you mentioned my Christian school background. I took a kid to the theater when we were in fifth grade to go see the gate in the theater and his, we didn't tell his mom. I had seen it already. Like this movie's awesome. So I took my friends like, you got to check this out. And uh, he was not allowed to watch those kind of movies, but we went, my grandmother dropped us off and she didn't think he was like, have a good time boys. <laughs> and then, uh, so we tell, we tell my friend Bo uh, that we went to go see the gate and man, we got so, I got so much trouble for taking him to see that movie. He got in trouble for not telling her and, it's a satanic thing. You can't be doing that. It's Satan. It's Satan. It's like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, be- yeah. Because obviously folks won't see the video, but only hear the audio. And I know looks have changed over the years, but it's funny you mention that because BJ is rocking a full beard and long hair. So you wouldn't be able to tell that that was an influence in music at all right now. This is pandemic hair right here. I just I just let it go. <laughs> exactly. But speaking of music, which I found awesome on the personal side, you played with a band and you got to play the legendary Troubadour. Yeah. So how was that for you? Because that's a complete, yes, it's entertainment, but it's completely different side of things. For me, well, before I got into the film business, when I was living in Pensacola, uh, Florida, I was in a punk rock band and you know, we, we started touring and going all over the place. And we started like, I would book some bands in the town and then we would meet bands with my buddy, Gus Brandt, who would, he would book all these cool bands. Um, and he would let our band open for him. We'd become friends. And then we started touring and then we started like, you know, okay, this band that we played with here in Pensacola, we opened for, let's give them a call and see if they'll let us play with them, you know? And, and that's kind of what we would do on tour. We would, we would talk to these bands that we knew all around. And, uh, you know, in, in Los Angeles, there was a band called Rhythm Collision that we had played with and uh, the Voodoo Glow Skulls. And they they happened to be playing a show, you know, at the Troubadour. And they were like, hey, come jump on the bill. You know, we're like, yeah, of course we will. You know, we were so excited about that. So we, you know, on tour, we, we got to play the Troubadour. And that was like, it's funny because now I go see shows there, you know, and I, I see all these bands that I love. Well, when shows were going, I think they're coming back. But uh it's just funny because you go there and you and you look at that and you go, man, I, I got to play that stage like years ago, like in the nineties, you know, it's so cool. And then, and that, and that place is still amazing. Yeah, exactly. If anybody knows anything about music, they know the Troubadour is a legendary spot. We'll stay. Very cool. on, yeah. We'll stay on the music theme here. And I found this sure. interesting because I know I mentioned that you worked with Slayer before and were involved with their music videos and stuff. But the one thing that stood out to me, and I guess it's good and it's bad, but the story I heard was about building crosses, but also almost losing equipment. So could you tell that story? Oh, that's when we were doing the uh, Pride and Prejudice video. We were, uh, me and my buddy Eric, uh, we were like, okay, so now we did this, these videos, you know, we want to make, we want to put Slayer up in the snow. Um, which up in Wrightwood, California, which isn't too far away from Los Angeles, you can get up to the snow pretty easy. Well, that night before we went, the day before there was no snow on the ground. So we we're like, oh God, there was like little patches. And so we were like, well, 
we're going to have to go shoot it anyways because we already secured the location and if there's no snow i guess we're just going to shoot in some little patchy snow woods it's going to be a bummer that night luckily it this huge snowstorm came in and froze like froze everything the roads the trees you know they're like getting to getting to rightwood that morning was chaos i got there really early the guys that were bringing slayers equipment up uh they actually at one point were driving through the windy roads to rightwood and their van their truck with all their gear started losing control the guy even said he opened the door was about to bail out because he like the thing wasn't coming to a stop and was heading right for like a cliff luckily the thing actually stopped before it went off he got back in slowly made it all the way back and we you know the gear got there i think i got there at 7 a.m the gear got there around 11. we were supposed to be set up and shooting already um and then there was a big car wreck you know everybody was late because there was a huge backup on the mountain roads um and then this we i in in the pride and prejudice video in the woods i was i had I wanted these upside down crosses like piercing the snow and blood was supposed to be coming out of the ground on the snow where the, where the three upside down crosses were going to be behind them. And I kept asking the guy that was doing them, you know, and, and this is a thing where it's like, you always got to be on top of like, if you don't know people that you, you know, Oh, so-and-so is great. This person's great. Let them do it. You got to really check in with them and be like, can you show, I need to see pictures. I need to see like how far you've gotten with, the things I asked for, you know, cause these crosses are supposed to have barbed wire wrapped around them. They were supposed to be burnt up and like had these like nails and crap all in them. And the guy shows up and, and he has these brand spanking new looking giant crosses that look like they should have been on this, you know, brand new church. And I'm like, Hey man, we talked about this. You were supposed to like char them and make them look gnarly and all that stuff. He's like, well, this is what we got. And I'm like, all right. So, you know, we had all the Slayer stuff out in the snow and I'm like, well, here's the other thing. How, did you think about how you're going to put these crosses in the snow? He's like, yeah, we'll just dig a hole. And I was like, well, I don't know, but I'm, you know, in my experience when snow hits the ground, it usually freezes the ground. So we all kind of sat there and we watched the guy try to dig this hole in the ground. Obviously it didn't work. And it, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing worked with the crosses on that, which is a bummer. So I was like, get those out of there. And me and my wife, who's a makeup artist the night before, had pre-made the blood in these canisters, uh, like uh, in Hudson sprayers, so we could, you know, quickly spray blood all over the snow. So instead of having the, the, the crosses piercing the ground with the blood coming out of them, I just, me and the DP, took the two Hudson sprayers, ran out, and we just put it in the instruments coming out of the ground onto the snow. So, because we were like, we have all this blood, and blood looks rad on snow, so we have to do something. So that was why now you see blood coming out of the instruments on the, in the video. Of, the, of that so it was it was a very tough day because we almost didn't make that video happen and we by the time the guys got there by the time the gear got there by the time everything got settled it was about one o'clock and in the mountains the sun goes behind the mountain around four o'clock so you, you know we're just we have, we're a day exterior we have no lights couldn't light anything and luckily my buddies with the techno crane showed up you know we had that set up so we could shoot really fast wides and then tights and get it done we just nailed it. We just like, okay, do the wide shots, you know, sweeping around, get the performance. All right, get the tight shot, Tom, get Carrie, you know, get Gary, get Paul. And we had to like fly through that because just everything that could go wrong that day went wrong. That's the key part. <laughs> but that leads to something I had in the notes anyway, but they're first being practical versus CGI. And obviously I know in Hatchet that, Adam had no a uh, no CGI rule, but obviously in that music video, you tried to go as practical as possible. 
yeah. in terms of what can we use, what can we do to make this work? But also, you mentioned towards the beginning of that, as far as do you know people and all, etiquette and building relationships. So mm-hmm. with both of those things, I know it's a lot to talk about there, but could you maybe discuss both being practical and CGI with your influence and background, but also having the good etiquette and building relationships to be able to get stuff done. So the practical versus CGI element, I don't, I don't hate CGI at all. Uh, I don't think it should be done for everything. I think if you base a movie and it's all CGI stuff, I think that that's kind of a bummer, you know, but I think that sometimes it's necessary and it's actually something good that you can use. You know, I think that if you mix practical with CGI, it usually works out great. You know, is I think if you have a if you have a practical element and if you need to build upon it, then it's then that's 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 acceptable. You know, if you're doing a whole thing where it's all CG CG, it just starts looking like a video game and something you like you're like where's my, you know, game controller? I want to play this thing. You know, and it gets a little hokey. That's like, like even like with the new Alien, like with Prometheus or or uh, what's the one after that? Covenant, Co- uh, Covenant. Yeah, I, think so. I was so bummed that the aliens were actually CG. You know, it's like ah, oh, because like in Aliens, you have all these guys in suits, and it's so real. You know, there's a real feel to it where it's like you could you could you could actually like you know that's that could be real. But when it gets too CGI, it just becomes like this video game esque kind of feel to me, and it it kind of takes me out of it. However, I don't think CG is a bad thing. I just think it's good to build upon it, you know. And and honestly, I there there were things I believe in Hatchet, you know, that like I think that there was little CG things done in there. There's you know a lot of it. I mean, most of it is all practical, you know. But there was some CG. Yeah. Um, relationship wise, for me, and I always try to bring on the people that I trust that I know can get the job done. That makes my job easier. Like when I'm directing. You know, that's the great thing about how I came up is that I wasn't just like some dude that's like, I want to be a director. I just graduated from this film school and I'm directing. No, I came up as a grip, you know, which they're like the Navy SEALs of of the film business, you know. So it taught me a lot, building relationships, getting a set etiquette. Then as a camera operator, you know, meeting all these different people, you know, you, you communicate all day long and you see who the good and the bad are. And, you know, the good ones, you go, okay, well, this guy's rad. Let me, I'm going to take this dude's or this girl's number. And I'm going to, you know, if, when I have a project coming up, I'm going to see if they'll come do it. Um, and I think that's a huge thing. I, the whole business is really, you know, it's, it's, it's social based. Like it's people know people, they get to meet people. That's even how I get my jobs. You know, it's like I'm freelance, you know, I don't work for a studio. I get hired by studios, but it's all word of mouth. That's really what this business is all about. So you have to, you know, get a good relationship with people. But on the director side of it, it's like, even like, you know, there was times where, you know, I had makeup effects on earlier things I did. I wasn't happy with. And so then like, you know, Tony Gardner, who does Alterian good, you know, he, I reached out to him. I'm like, dude, I've worked with you so many times and I love your stuff. Like, can you help me with this thing? He, and I, I believe the first thing he helped me with was the repentless video. And it was so awesome. He's like, yeah, come on down to my shop, man. Just let's pick out some stuff. So I went over to Alterian, got to pick out all the, you know, the things we could use. I just tried to like pick out stuff that he kind of had pre-made in the shop. So it didn't, you know, our budgets weren't big. So I just needed to get something that would work and like, oh, we could use that for this thing. We'll write this in. So I would write little, little shots of things that he just had pre-made in the shop, in, in the shop. And uh, I mean, that's, that's the importance of, of building relationships. You know, but there's also, you, you find out who the bad ones are and, and 
like as going back to trust your gut with who who's going on. Somebody goes, I got this guy, you know, and sometimes you're in a pinch, you know, like I can't get anybody. So, all right, we'll try your person out or your, or this girl out or whatever, whoever you want to hire. And you end up just going, man, I should have just trusted my gut. I should have just, you know, did this. And because what people don't understand is when you film sets, there's always something that goes wrong on a daily, you know, it, nothing ever really ever works out perfect. There's always some kind of hurdle you got to jump through. You got to, you got to make things work. I mean, it's like every day from small film sets to big film sets, you know, it, there, there's always a hurdle. Yeah. So obviously, I think that's important. obviously we've seen that recently on the news and hope that works oh, out. That was terrible. Don't, yeah. I don't even want to like that. That was just awful. That's, that's yeah. that and, should never, that, like, I don't even understand how live ammo could even have been on a set. Like that should, that's a, the biggest no, no ever. And I've been on so many movies with, with guns I did a movie called Battle Los Angeles, and it was insane the amount of gunfire we had. But we had proper armorers, the people that check things, and you know, you 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 trust who you have on your set. Again, trustworthy people. The armorers they need you need to make sure that their background. You know, like how many movies have you done? These you know, the safety is is really relying on a lot of things that they deal with, like making sure the blanks are good or make sure the weapons are cold. You know, and no no nobody's other than the armors are supposed to be handing guns to actors, you know, it's, it was just a shame to what happened. So I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what happened there, but it just seemed like there was a lot, a lot of corners being cut and money trying to be saved and hiring inexperienced people. Yeah. But you know, with that situation, we can only hope for the best with everything that's going on. And obviously it's not going to, it's going to continue, but. Yeah. You know. I, I feel terrible for, you know, her kids and her husband and, you know, the crew people that did that. And for us, like, you know, it just, it's, it's, a, it's just a tough deal. Yeah. And as, unfortunately history repeats itself because, you know, you had Brandon Lee and this, yeah. and you know, there it's happened on multiple occasions when it shouldn't, like you said, with yeah the protocols and everything. Yeah. But we were talking about obviously practical and CGI and all that stuff, but what are, because you obviously came up in an era and yes, folks, everything wasn't always digital for the young kids. They, <laughs> they, act, they actually had to do film as well. So what's your thoughts with film versus a uh, digital? I came up through like I, my, my training and like how I came up in the business was through, th was working with film, you know, with 35 millimeter, 16 millimeter cameras. So I, I came up, you know, my, my training was, was really through like going through the proper rehearsals, you know, making sure that the actors knew where they were going. And, and uh, you know, before you roll the camera, because in film days, as soon as that film started rolling, that was just money. That's just money, money, money's going. As soon as that thing starts rolling, it's, it, it's costing money. So there was a, there was a etiquette. Uh, there was an etiquette that in my opinion nowadays is kind of lost and sometimes on film sets, because now that with, you know, with digital, you hit a red button, it goes to a hard drive. Everyone's like, let's shoot a rehearsal. And, you know, we usually find out what's happening on take one. And then we have to reset and figure out like where the actors are going to go. Things like that. Cause everyone's like, oh, we'll shoot the rehearsal. Don't worry about it. Um, so that's, a, I, I like the old ways of shooting like film where we rehearse and the, and the etiquette of it all. And, 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 you know, everything kind of looks like, all right, we got this, 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 okay, roll cameras and you get it. We move on. Uh, it was very productive that way. Um, I was opposed you know, when the digital thing started becoming more and more in a weird way, because I was just such a film jerk. Well, I was like, oh, no, no, it's, it, film looks so much better, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was that guy for a while. And then 
realizing like how cameras got better and the images got better and what you can do when you do color timing and like how you can manipulate the picture and everything with giving it a film grain look or whatever you have to do. Um, I actually have turned, turned, you know, a whole new leaf. And I, you know, now that we shoot all digital for the most part, I love digital, you know, I don't mind it. I still love film. Um, for me, when you're doing smaller things, it's when you're shooting digital, the fact that I can go, Hey, let's watch that back. You know, because you can't do that with film because film has to go get processed and you get your dailies and the next day you're on another scene then you get your dailies back and, oh man, that shot's out of focus. I wish we would have had that. Well, digital, you can, let's watch that back and make sure the focus is good or let's make sure that, you know, this, this worked out this way. You can, you can look at it right then and there and make sure you can move on without mistake. And I love that part of digital. I think that's great. You know, so there's like a lot of pros in my opinion now with shooting digital. I, I, I love it. It yeah. really depends on the right glass too. You need the right glass. You know, I always try to go with Panavision. <laughs> uh, I love their glass whenever I shoot my things. I always go, go to them. And it's funny. I was going through your background as far as projects you worked on. Cause like you said, you've been a grip camera operator, you know, just done so much. And I found it interesting. And obviously, like I said, early on most people know you for horror and with slayer but it's just amazing when you think about your resume the amount of folks you've worked with such as i know you're and there's been delays obviously with COVID, with top gun coming out and oh yeah you were involved with that from what i heard because we know everything on the internet is true but then you also (laughs) worked with say dwayne johnson and ballers so yeah he's rad yeah i was gonna say is well how was Dwayne as far as working with because i know he's always hands-on with his projects but is there somebody that really stood out to you on either side of the camera that was super awesome to deal with i mean the the list of that goes on and on you know that's there's there's some there's some really amazing people that i've got to work with you know that's the fun part about this is that you actually get to work you know, as a camera operator more, because I'm, I'm really directly working more and more with, you know, the, the directors or the directors of photography or the actors, I'm, I'm very much right in there working out every single thing with everybody. So I get to really meet, uh, you know, everybody, the good and the bad. Um, but I'll only talk about the good because the bad, I don't want to mention. Um, but I mean, Dwayne is amazing. The guy's awesome. I loved working with him every day. He's just a pro, you know, he's very nice, comes in on set. He's very, you know, he's just a great guy. You know, I loved, I loved every minute working with him. He was just fun. Um, Good presence on set. You know, the people that I've been really enjoying, it's like David Sandberg, you know, uh, the director of Annabelle, uh, yeah, Annabelle, uh, I forgot, I shot it. I was the operator on that, the second Annabelle. Um, And then, um, also Shazam. He's awesome. Love that guy. You know, I'm, you know, a lot of the guys over at New Line and Atomic Monster, like James Wan, and even the producers like Michael Clear and, you know, Justin Scott, they're all like good dudes. I've been really enjoying working with all of them. They make it more of a family vibe, more of like a, you know, we're all a part of it together. There's a loyalty towards things, which I really enjoy. Michael Burgess, the DP's killer. You know, a lot of the directors of photography I've worked with have become really good friends. Like Brandon Tross is one of my best buddies. Eric Leach is a good buddy of mine, you know, um, you know, there's, it just depends on who you're working with, who's great and who's not, you know, it's, but for the most part, it's usually a pretty, pretty awesome experience. 
you know, Claudio Miranda from, you know, Top Gun. And also I did Tomorrowland with them. You know, he's, he's super talented, amazing guy. You know, it's, and, and I get to, it's a fun thing with him is I get to see, like, he tries these different things. He always wants to kind of push the bar with like how we're going to get a shot done. And like, he's very interesting like that. Well, one other question with Dwayne and you put him over well there, but would you say he is what you publicly see with him, whether it be mm-hmm. through social media and you know, cause he always tries to be positive and such. And obviously He's very every, positive. everybody has good and bad days, but is he what you see in here? Yeah, he really is. Yeah, he, he's he's a very positive person, you know, even when people bring like like someone's visits to set and they bring their kids, he will actually go take time to actually like talk to the kids and like and like give them attention and make sure that they're like, you know, he, he loves that. You know, it's he's really exactly what you see. You know, he's fantastic. Yeah, it definitely shows the mana. Uh, yeah. And yes, folks, uh, look up that word. It's never mind out too early in the morning for me to get into descriptions but look it up that's if it fits his mantra right but then one project i want to bring up and don't want to keep you all morning which i found interesting that you were involved with because and i know it's here and there at this point and there was a big shit storm with it but i oh, I, th- I think i know where you're going the interview is it is it, is it the collector i was thinking the interview with seth rogan <laughs> oh, the interview <laughs> yes but i'll have yeah, there, to hear there. that other i'll have to hear that other story now but the interview <laughs> there was because of north korea and all that stuff were you yeah. surprised that because it's it's entertainment folks yeah we you know it's funny because when we shot that we were always talking like is this gonna be is this gonna get us in, is, is this like a bad thing are we gonna get like in trouble for this thing you know like it was we always kind of joked around about that on set and we were like well you know it's a fun movie. You know, it's, 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 you know, the humors, the Seth Rogen humor, you know, and we were just trying to make a fun film also, but there is a statement there that we made, you know, yeah. which they did, they did a lot of research. The writers did a lot of research on that. And they put a lot of things into that, which I believe, you know, really pissed off, you know, Kim Jong-un. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny though, because when things started going on TV and people were like, you know, the interview and the president's talking about this movie that we, you know, this silly movie that we did, you know, <clears throat> Never thought I was going to go that route to the fact that Sony gets hacked and that we had to have our accounts all, you know, they paid for like LifeLock on all of our accounts and the crew and people at Sony that were in, in, involved. My neighbors actually, it's funny, my neighbors kept coming over going, are we going to, is, is everything okay? Are we going to, we're not going to get some weird thing happening over here, are we? You know, I'm like, no, man, like, I don't think they're going to send a bunch of assassins over to kill a bunch of people that made a movie about them, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, who knows, but. Yeah, we, I never expected that movie to go like where it went. Like when the president is talking about a movie, of, you know, with pot jokes, you know, whatever. It's, like, <laughs> it's 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 pretty crazy, but it was it was a, it was interesting that that went there. We we talked about it, but we never saw it going as far as it did. But so you I was talking about that last night, which is crazy. We were <laughs> you know, I was at a, at a restaurant, a, uh, at a Korean restaurant, and uh, the food is amazing and. And our first AD on this job is like, oh, I was in South Korea on this job. It was great. He goes, we'd go right by the DMZ. And, and he goes, you would know people are always trained on you with a gun on the other side. You know, no matter how close you were. He goes, it's a weird feeling. Yeah. yeah that, I don't think that, I want to go anywhere near there. <laughs> yeah. I'm knocked that off the uh, travel list. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> but you mentioned you think you know where I was going with that. And 
there's a story to that. So I'm curious to know what is that story? Oh, there was a whole thing because we were, you know, I, me, I, Marcus Dunstan, uh, Patrick Melton are good buddies of mine. And, you know, I did the collector and the collector, you know, the collected uh, the, those movies uh, with Marcus. And then we started doing the, the third installment of the of of the collector series. And it got shut down pretty much by no fault of anyone's. But, you know, it's I, it's hard for me to talk about because I don't know how far I could actually go with it. But it was a real bummer because people were really looking into like wanting to see, you know, the third movie. And we were already in production with it. And then we just all it, we had to shut down and get flown home. And it was a real bummer, you know, especially for Marcus, you know, and the actors. And, you know, we were all bummed about it because we were actually making another movie that, you know, that we all have heart in, you know, especially me. I'm, you know, I, I was there from day one with with that series. So well, I thought you were going to go there. But, I, you know, legally, I don't know how much I can even say yeah. about that either. So I, I yeah. was like, oh, you're going. I know where you're going. You're going that story because that's that's been kind of like the one that's been going around a little bit. Okay, but when <laughs> something like that happens, you know, and obviously I don't know how the business structure would be. You know, obviously you'd be hired, and I guess giving a agree on what you want to be paid and all that fun, you know, all the business side of it. But if it something is shut down at no fault of your own. Would you still be paid on what you agreed upon and every, would you still be taken care of because it wasn't your fault that the job wasn't complete? And and that goes to a question is, is the movie union or non-union? You know, that's, I don't, I don't do movies that are non-union. Um, just, just because for me, it's, I need the hours for my retirement, yada, yada, the boring stuff. Um, and this is a union movie. Um, so that technically by the rules, they have to play ball and they have to have, you know, they have to pay you for what you've already done. They have to pay to send you home. They got to pay your rental gear on your stuff. You know, they, they have to abide by the rules. And that's the one great thing, you know, about being in the union is that you are protected with that. And with, with that non-union I've been on, I've been on jobs when I first started that were non-union years and years ago. And they and I remember doing one job where the crew showed up and the producers didn't show up and they never did show up and no one told us, but they shut down. So everybody went after him trying to get the money and they locked the doors to their office and they just disappeared, you know, and some people actually in, ended up getting money by taking them to court, like, you know, it's a small claims court or whatever, you know, the movie had just started. So it was a couple of weeks in um, and they actually got, they actually sued these people and got the money. So it's, it's, it just depends really. That's why, you know, again, I, you know, having the union protection, I'm, that's why I go that route. Definitely. I have an agent also. He makes all these deals. So like my, I have a camera agent. And so he, he does all my negotiations and he, he takes care of all that. And if things get bad, he, I, I just give him a call. Well, that's definitely <laughs> a good thing to have uh, those yeah. uh, protections behind you, whether it be the agent or the union and all that fun stuff. Yeah, but 100%. obviously, obviously at the beginning here, you said can't really talk about what you're working on now, but do you have stuff lined up? Uh, going forward past this project how far in advance are you looking i have something that's coming up pretty soon it'll be the, the news will be dropping soon about it uh so that'll be exciting um this movie uh it, it'll be probably you know people know about what a, what this movie is i just don't want to say what i'm working on until it, it's proper timing um just because i've signed a bunch of papers from ndas but you know, next year and things like that, I don't really have anything lined up. It's, it's kind of like the holidays and, 
usually around Christmas, I'll do like a commercial or something. And then next year it'll be like, you know, mid January, I'll get a call. It's like, Hey, we got this movie. Okay. I never know what's going to happen. You know, that far in advance. That's the the weird thing about the film business. You don't know when you're going to work again. You might never work again. That's the scary thing too. (laughs) You have to really be, you have to know how to save your money for the hard, the hard times ahead and, and how to, how to keep yourself afloat while you're in between jobs. Exactly. Cause it's, it's uh, I forget who recently told me this. It's like I'm retired until they pulled me out of work, pulled me out right. to work. Yeah. So that's kind of how it is. Yeah. Yeah. We're tired with, with no income coming in. If that's retirement, which I yeah. don't want that kind of retirement, but that's kind of how it feels. So you just got to make the best, you know, when I, whenever I'm not working, I spend, you know, I try to spend time with my wife and like, you know, do things that are normal because when we get on jobs, it's, it's over. Go, I'm go, done. Go. I'm, I'm I'm go, go, go. I can't, I, I don't have the time. So you really have to make up for your lost time of, of your family or your, your loved ones and trying to make, you know, try to catch up to all that stuff. Um, it's a very hard balance. This is not an easy career path. You know, a lot of people get divorces. It's, it's, it's hard for people. This business is tough on people because you're gone a long time. Hence why we were about to go on strike. You know, all these negotiations with the IATSE. Um, it's, it's a grueling schedule that we keep, you know, we're working 12, 14, you know, 16 hour days. Um, and then you go to sleep, you wake up and repeat, you know, it's, and that's, and that goes on for months. You know, I'm in a hotel room right now, you know, so I've been here, you know, it's, I've been in here since beginning of September, you know, and haven't seen my wife. haven't been able to fly home. It's just too far right now. You know, we talk every night, but it's, this is the tough business for that. Yeah. I was going to ask that because, and I know not, not my place to say, what's been going on personally, but does she have an opportunity to come out and at least see you? Yeah. Usually, usually she does. Yeah. Lately we've had, we've had some things going on health wise that like, she's not been able to fly, which is a bummer, but she, uh, I mean, usually we try to make sure that she can fly out and come here and, you know, she'll come stay until she gets really bored. She's like, all right, I'm out, you know? (laughs) So, Usually we do that, you know. Yeah, but now to still be able to have, you know, that a connection. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's that's the that's the hardest part about this. I mean, and and I don't, you know, I people that have like real, like young kids, it's hard on them a lot of times. You know, I hear like a lot of people that have like the younger kids that like, oh, daddy left for all these for this long time. It's 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 tough on them because they don't understand it. The, you know, the, the dad was going to work, and it's not like dad was off. You know. Visiting yeah. Disneyland. Let's Dad just doesn't say. love you anymore. Oh, wait, yeah. he's back. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Who are you? Like, it's funny because my dad travels with his job. And when I was a kid, I'd be like, right. the running joke was, do we know you? He's just a visitor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's old Uncle Dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He comes in for a day or two and back on the road, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's a hard business for that. So. You know, that's, that's where you try to have to make, you have to try to balance it out. When I started, when I first started this business, it was tough because I was always like, always looking for the next job. Cause I was very much nervous about like, I got to keep going. I got to get money. I got to keep myself going. And then as I get older, I realized that, you know, that's the, that this business, it's not as important as I, you know, constantly working myself to death and trying to make sure I have the next job, the next job, the next job. I need to like slow down, take time, make sure I, I, you know, have a life also that's not just this yeah you know because it will consume you if you let it exactly and but like you said it's a balance you want to make sure the rent is paid but also 
be able to have that normalcy too. Yeah, it's very important. Exactly. Otherwise, you'll go insane. But mm-hmm. if folks want to, I know you're very active on Instagram, but if people want to follow you, what's the best spot for them to do so? I think Instagram's the best because I, I mean, it's just pictures. I don't do a lot of Facebook stuff anymore. I'm just, I kind of got it. I kind of backed off from a lot of that. Um, so I, I say happy birthday to people every now and then, and I'm not really super active on there anymore. Um, Instagram's the best cause I'll post pictures. That's about it. Um, Twitter, I barely go on anymore. I think over like the last couple of years, it just got too political and too crazy. So now I, I like seeing pictures of people with their cats and Halloween costumes and things they're doing on the job or what they're eating. I, I enjoy that kind of lame. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> amazing. Lamer how... As I'm getting older, way lamer. Exactly. Not exciting. It was funny. And I'll sidetrack here for a second as we close. It's last night we had Sandy Johnson on for uh, the original Halloween. We were doing a watch along. Oh, cool. And, and she and her husband had their cats in the room. So I ended up having to leave and get my kitten. It was like, yep. what's wrong with us being adults? You know, like, <laughs> what what is happening here? Yeah. Well, my wife, she, she's now, she's now like, we have a dog and, 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 and now we have a bunny and then she rescued another bunny. So now we have these like, which I never, ever thought I'd have bunny rabbits as pets. It's very strange, but she taught them how to use a litter box and they're like these free roaming animals that are hilarious. Uh, they just run around the house and they sit on the couch and watch TV. It's just a weird, weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> Such a weird pet. And we go back to our younger days. Then we look at us now and go, what the hell? I, I don't know for you. It's like, but it sounds like what in the hell happened to us? <laughs> I, I, I look in the mirror every day and I feel like I drank from the wrong cup of Christ and I've aged uh, tremendously. And <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Holy crap. What happened to me, dude? I'm like, I got all these crow's feet and I'm all hunched over and broken, but uh, somehow still going. I'm like that dog that's wounded leg that keeps on trying. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> on that note, yep. BJ, thank you so much. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It was fun. Happy Halloween, everybody. This brand is truly exciting. I'm so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift day. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansoapery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hi, this is Anthony DeLongis, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.